wisdom and knowledge of your word, your will, and your way. Please be with us, go with us, strengthen us, protect us, and forgive us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray and thank thee for be that will. Amen. So tonight we're going to uh, enter into a thought uh, with life enrichment of spiritual stability. Uh, well, that is really uh, important and uh, critical to our spiritual growth. It is imperative uh, to a healthy mind. And so if you think about spiritual stability, we're thinking about sowing, um, sowing and reaping. So if we, if we sow a thought, then we know that we are going to reap some sort of action. And when we, when we sow an action, we, after continual, uh, I guess, repetitive actions, we are going to reap some sort of habit. And when we reap this habit that now we're formed in our lives, uh, we're going to then at that point, um, as you sow that habit, you reap a character, some type of character. It molds our minds. And then if you sow that character, we reap some type of destiny, right? Gets us to the end, whether it be uh, heaven, of course, is our desire to be and, and to have the destiny to be with God forever and ever. So let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And let's think about what we're sowing, right? So to have a stable mind means you must you must sow stability, right? Not rapid confusion and um, a mass of ambiguity. Instead, sowing, uh, if you will, uh, solid information from the Word of God continually and constantly without end. And so here's the practice. The practice of what things we are to sow. And I'm going to look at this verse probably, we're going to look at it about three times tonight and then um, a few more times as we go. Sow it and reap it. So here it is, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and any, if, if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. And so, here's what we know for sure. The mind, well, the mind cannot be entirely at rest. I know we think about meditation, and we think about how can I put my mind at rest. And that's that's not really possible, because we're not a, bank, a blank slate. We, we're always thinking about, about something, but we're trying to relax our minds in uh, the realm of meditation. Here's what we know. The mind cannot think of two things at once, right? So you cannot think of good and evil at the exact same time. You cannot think of a bad thing and a good thing at the exact same time. So the mind focuses on one or on the other. And so now the question is, what are we sowing? What is the, um, Paul saying to us, uh, to the Philippians, he's saying to them to sow something that's good always in the mind, and that's what eradicates or negates or removes, maybe I should say, that's what removes negativity or negative thoughts, because you can't do both at the same time. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, he says, no man can serve two masters, right? It's an absolute impossibility. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and, and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. Uh, but no man can serve both God and mammon. So when 
when our mind is divided, that's where we, we get this idea of being paralyzed with anxiety, right? When you have these two thoughts that you're, you're fighting with yourself, you know, you know, is this good? Is it bad? What's going to happen? Is this good thing going to happen? Maybe something bad is going to, then we begin to worry about it. We build this huge mountain about, you know, what's happening in our lives and our minds. And, and we, it describes the mind as being pulled in so many different directions and we become sometimes paralyzed and, and Paul is trying to exhort us in Philippians chapter 4. He's saying, hey, I want you thinking about things that are good and right. Things that are pure and proper and pleasing and acceptable in the sight of God. We cannot do uh, or think about two things at the same time. It's one or the other. And it's really simple. We understand that to be true. Look back at Philippians chapter 4 for a second, please. And, and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Think about what, think about what Paul is, is what the inspired writer is saying. Finally, brethren, whatever is true. Now, let's go backwards for a second and think about this. We're trying to find the ability to get, to go from, from worry, anxiety, stress, and all the things that happen in life to move us to this peace that surpasses all understanding. And in between there, over here is the concern and worry of all things. You know, rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And over here is this fighting, if you will, of, of the Spirit. And then there's this idea of the collection of the thoughts. Make your supplications known to God. Give it all to God. Give it all to God. And then God will give you this peace that surpasses all comprehension. So there's this formula in Philippians 4, verses 4, all the way through to verse 9. So we're, we're following that, and now we're getting to this end, if you will, at verse 8. And he's saying, I want you to focus now your mind on verse 8, to focus on whatever is true. Well, that takes some thought. And we're going to go over every one of these items, because I want you to think about, well, what is true? Do you think of one thing that's true? Do you think of two things that's, that are true? What, what? What, what is true? What, what is honorable? Whatever is honorable, what, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence or anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these whatever things, these whatever, whatever is this, whatever is that. Let your mind dwell on, okay, we're going to come back to that. Because the formula ends in the getting your mind from, again, all the anxiety and all the worry, all the stress, you know, let your forbearing spirit make known to, known to God, rejoicing always in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord, and then make the supplications known to God, right? Give Him all the praise and make the requests made known to God. And then, and then comes this peace that comes from God, this overwhelming amount of peace, not a feeling, but the peace of mind, right? Comes this, this peace of mind that brings this this feeling of, thank you, Lord. And then the whatever statements come along the way. So the passage, Philippians 4, verse 8, here's what it does. It combats anxiety and worry. So you have to decide, um, you know, if you have a, a good clinical mind, you have to be able to, you have to decide whether you're going to think negative things or positive things or good things or bad things, but you can't do both at the same time. Have you ever, um, 
been in the midst of, of thought and you start thinking about something negative and you go, oh, no, no, wait, and you keep going into the negative and, and then you stop. No, 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 I've got to think about, and that, it's that fight, right, within us, that fight. Romans 7, that very real fight, you know, good versus evil, right, within within us. Turn to Hebrews, please, chapter 12. There's a very real fight within us, within the human mind, uh, as we strive to focus on things that are good and right, to focus our minds into one direction. And the one direction, here it is, has always be Christ, right? It's always Christ-centered. Is my mind clearly focused on Christ, on single-mindedness? Well, that's kind of tough, isn't it? It's challenging because um, some of us have monkey brains and we think about this and a thousand other things at the same time. But to be able to funnel all of those thoughts and that activity down into sowing good, we think about just the one good thing. So, verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, fixing our eyes on Jesus. So here comes the focus. Here comes the focus. Focusing on Jesus. The greatness of God. The magnificence of God. Fixing my eye. Focusing my eye on Jesus. Right? And the great crowd of witnesses, well, they're there and they help us. They encourage us. They, they strengthen us and they're surrounding us and they're saying, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and let go of everything that's entangling you. Right? Fixing your eye on Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Now, here's what happened to Peter. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, Peter had an incident. And the incident was, they were, the, the waves were, were tossing and turning and breaking up. And they were on the boat. And they just thought to themselves, there's no way we're going to make it through this night. What a, what a devastating tragedy, if you will, that could happen to us. But then they looked out, and all the wind is blowing, and the waves are crashing, and the boat is tossing. And in verse 28, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now I want you to think about this for a second. The context says, the, the water is, is, is thrashing against the boat. The context tells us that this is not a pretty scene. But for just a moment, Peter is able to remove his mind and central thought from the waves and the wind to Jesus. And he speaks to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. And Jesus said, come. And Peter, now think about this for a moment, right? Um, the, in the beginning, as they're praying to God and asking God for deliverance and, and protection from the waves, now Peter, because he's focused on Jesus, steps out of the boat. Now, focus, yes, that's a focus on Jesus, a focused faith. 
right? It's a focused faith. So Peter got out of the boat, the Bible uh, tells us in uh, this passage right here. And he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But here's the problem. He took his eyes off of Jesus. In verse 30, but seeing the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. So the waves are tossing. It's a, it's a really tough situation that they're in. But Peter focused his eyes on Jesus and he gained this amount of confidence that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, here's a, here's the verse put into action. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he steps out in the middle of a, the sea, knowing you can't walk on water, but because he was fixed on Jesus, he steps out of the boat and he walks on water. It's not until the billy goat passage, the butt comes in, Right? It's not until the but phrase comes in, that conjunction. He looks out and sees the waves and he thinks to himself, wait a minute. What am, what am I, a human being, doing on the waves in the water? I am standing on, you can't stand. He went right into the negative. And once he went into the negative, he began to sink. So fixing the Hebrews, or Hebrew writer says to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's what keeps us afloat, brethren. It's not always easy. Uh, let's look at 1 John chapter 1. I'm not saying it's easy, and it's not always easy, and it's easier for some than it is for others, and it's easier in some circumstances than it is in other circumstances, but we still have to try to, to focus our minds on Jesus, right? And only on Jesus. Stability, mental stability, spiritual stability, the way to get there is to focus our minds constantly on Jesus. When I find myself dwelling on negative thoughts, on negativity, get it back on Jesus, right? Verse 1, 1 John chapter 1. What was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have beheld in our hands handle concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write, we write, excuse me, so that our joy may be made Complete. See, there's a, there's a, you know, docetism and Gnosticism, they're two, two teachings that oppose the idea that Jesus came in the flesh. And John simply reminds them, not only did Jesus come in the flesh, we held him. We touched him. He was in our midst, in our, in our presence. He says, church, keep looking. To Jesus. You know Jesus was here. You don't have to doubt or question whether or not Jesus Christ was here because you touched him. You held him. And so it's this idea of the spiritual mind, spiritual stability over carnality, over the mind of flesh. The mind of flesh has a way of taking over the spiritual mind because we are 
fleshly, right? We live in a, everything about us is, is flesh in the sense that what we, what we, the world we live in is about things that we can touch. It's about matter. But Jesus calls his people to rise above fleshly or carnality, fleshly mindedness, and to sink our minds into Jesus, right? Stay in the spirit world in your mind, right? Turn to John, please, chapter 6. John chapter 6. See, there's no real way, I say, it's very difficult to make it through the difficult and, and horrible things in this life if we're trying to make it through them without Jesus. So Jesus tells us in verse 63 of John chapter 6, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. It's the spirit that's important and critical. Spiritual mindedness. So having the stability of a spiritual mind, that is what is critical in our life that we live in today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If we're focusing on things of the Spirit, it makes it really hard to focus on things of the flesh. Right? I mean, if you're saying to yourself, if you're, you're talking to yourself and you're thinking, I'm going to work through things of the Spirit in the Spirit world. And I, I can say, I know Jesus will bring me through. Um, I know all things work together for good for those who love the Lord according to his will. Those are spiritual thoughts, right? To see things as God sees them. To see them from a heavenly perspective. Those are spiritual thoughts. The other hand, there are the worldly or fleshly thoughts. Where, where um, you know, I might say continually, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. But we know the answer. Jesus, right? Um, you know, I don't know what else can happen. Don't worry about it. Jesus has this, right? You know, Jesus got this, if you will, some said. To be focused on Jesus, that's what's critical, right? And so, in this life, the more that we, and the longer that we, attempt to do it on our own, the more you're going to struggle. The more that I'm going to struggle, the more that we are going to struggle. We can't do this on our own. There's no way. I mean, we, we've tried it our own way, and we made a tangled web, and a world of confusion, a mass of, of destruction, doing it our own way. And then we turn our lives around and come to the Lord. And then God smooths things out. Thank God for that. And then somewhere in there along the way, we decide we're going to do it our way again. And what happens every single time? We mess it up. We cannot do it without Jesus. And maybe it's not even us. Maybe perhaps we're just trying to do it our own way. And one bad thing happens after another, after another. Eventually, you got to turn it over to Jesus. Turn your life over and your, over to the hands of Jesus and allow God to work, to bless you. Philippians 4. Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. You can't do that without turning your life over to Jesus. Without turning our minds over to Jesus, we can't do that. Giving everything to Jesus. That's what he tells us. Philippians 4 is telling us, verses 4 through 7, you have to give everything over to Jesus. You gotta make your forbearing spirit known. You have to, you have to give all your supplications over to God. You gotta give it all to Jesus. Who wants to do that? (laughs) 
If I give it all to Jesus, then what's left for me? Well, that's the whole point. God does not want us to sit in our homes in a world of worry and concern. But rather, He wants our minds to dwell on that which is right and pure and lovely and of good repute, etc., etc. 1 Corinthians 2. He wants us in the spirit world. Verse 12. It says, Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And so, on some on some levels, there's this this um, I, I would say an, an inability in the sense of a clinical issue, where you may have to go get some medication to help you out through just to get a, a jump start or to help you through that. Well, it doesn't matter. Just do what you have to do, but try to find a way to get your mind. Focus on Jesus. There's nothing wrong with, with if, you know, we're having um, clinical issues and we need help. There's nothing wrong with that. I know sometimes we think there is, but there's nothing wrong with that. This world has really messed us up. <laughs> you know, I guess that's true, fair to say. Um, and so some, it's a chemical imbalance. You're born that way, right? Uh, it is what it is. We're not, so we're talking about what can I control? The things that I have the ability to control, those are the things I need to control, the things that I do not have the ability to control, maybe I, I do not because I need help, then go get the medical help to get you to that point. But one thing that I think we all can focus on is one thing at a time. Especially as men, right? <laughs> I'm only good at one thing at a time. I mess the rest of it up. So one thing at a time. Can I focus on good and evil at the same time? No. But I can focus on one or the other. I need to figure out which one I'm going to focus on. I need to figure out which one I'm going to feed. And so the desire to feed good is more beneficial than the desire to feed evil. So the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says to us that these things are spiritually, the word of God is spiritually appraised, right? And you take a spiritual thought and you combine it with spiritual words. In other words, what God has not asked us to do is, is this. Here's a spiritual word. Give me your spiritual opinion and produce your spiritual thought. <laughs> right? That's not what he asks us to do. He says, I want you to take the spiritual words that are spiritually appraised and I want you to combine them with spiritual thoughts. In other words, put the word of God with the word of God. Put the scriptures together. Allow them as one is the mate of the other. Allow them to fuse together the perfect understanding of God's word. And when we do not have that perfect understanding, what do you think we should do? Leave it alone. Step back. Leave it alone. Pray about it. And when God's ready to reveal it, praise God. But until that time, leave it alone and focus on what I can. Right? Focus on the things that I do understand. And that's really important and critical to the Christian life. Romans chapter 12. So, the Word of God is spiritually appraised. It has amazing power to it. Words are are very powerful. And if you read the Word of God... And allow God to be your coach. It's amazing what God will do for you. 
You know, if you, you're trying to find, and this is this is why it's so important to know the Word of God, right? To know it, to know where to go. You know, I'm struggling today, and I don't think I can do it. Go, yes, you can, brother. You can, you can make it. And so I go to the Psalm, maybe Psalm 37, or I go to I go to a Psalm, or maybe I'll go back to Joshua, or maybe I'll go to Genesis, or wherever it is I need to go to find that scripture, or maybe the thought. I'm reminded of this particular passage, or this idea, or this thought. That's what Revelation is all about. It takes you back. Remember, 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 remember. Right? You can do it. You can do it. I remember when I was um, uh, playing football, uh, and I was a halfback, and I was uh, running a, an end around, I guess you'd call it, um, to make it simple. And quarterback handed me the ball, and here I am, he pitches it, well, he pitches it over to me, and I'm going around, and someone out of nowhere uh, clothes hangs me, you know, puts his hand around my neck, and yeah, it just like that. It sounded like he just, I just heard it, just who, who, right? <laughs> anyway, you should have heard the sound he just made. <laughs> so, and I went down, and I went down really hard, and it was a really, it was a great hit that the guy did nothing wrong, uh, and I remember going back to the, the, um, the huddle, and in my mind, on my way back, I started thinking to myself, I'm just not ready to do this. I'm not ready to receive this ball. I need to recuperate. I need to get myself together. So I went back to the huddle, and they called the same play again. And I was like, no, no, I got. I need to recuperate for a minute. I'm, you know, I need to, I need, you know, time out. And they're like, no, there's no time out. So I ran it again, and, and, and you know, that was a better result. <laughs> um, that, that one ended in a touchdown because I had only one thought. Don't let that guy catch you again. <laughs> See, I only had one thought, right? But my point is that we can really reduce ourselves to uh, a, a, a ball of, of, of mushiness if we don't give it to Jesus, right? That's, in a, that's a physical example that really maybe is meaningless. But in life, in the spiritual world, if you allow your mind to be so captivated with evil thoughts or thoughts of, of depression, or thoughts of negativity, uh, you'll find that you, it's easy to get that. Once that spiral, once you start going down that, that road of negativity, it's easy to continue down that road. It's hard to stop and turn around and go back the other way. So Jesus is trying to head us off before we start going into that direction, right? To stop us, to jolt us, to wake us up. And that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God has the ability to stop us, to make us refocus our minds, and then to get it get it fixed back on Jesus Christ. So, look at Romans 12, beginning at verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So, here's this refocusing of the mind. God says, you need to take your mind and let it not be conformed to the world. Right? Maybe a world of negativity, a world without God, but transform the mind to think about Jesus, to be a part of Jesus, to have the oneness with Jesus, that amazing transformation, one might call it brain surgery, that God um, does for us, renews our thinking from that which is negative to that which is perfect and that which is good and that which is beautiful because it takes everything 
off of me and it puts it on to Jesus. Right? And when I put my life in the hands of Jesus, I trust Jesus to take care of me. Trust. Faith. Pistis. I have this trust in Jesus. Maybe I don't have as much as someone else, but I have enough right now at this moment to trust Jesus. Maybe not even a mustard seed, but I have something that I can trust in Jesus. And I can look back at the old book, right, the Old Testament. And I can find all of the examples of people that had faith, that had little faith, that almost had no faith. And you see God come into their lives and rescue them time and time and time and time again. And that's the joy of God's victory, is that God is their rescuer. God comes in and rescues us. He is our true Savior. And He rescues mankind, humanity, over and over and over and over again. And that's the victory that we have in Christ, the greatness of our God. Not the greatness of myself, but the greatness of our God towards humanity. So as we think about now, again, this this idea of of having this, this spiritual balance in our lives and in our minds. Remember this one thing. First John chapter 2. Remember this one thing. Um, when I think about anxious thoughts, struggles and temptations and trials, when I think anxious thoughts, there's one thing you can think about. If you think about the world today and all the trouble that uh, it's in, and you think about America and all the trouble that it's in. Here's one thing you can think about that will clear everything up. Verse 17, 1 John 2. It says, And the world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. The world's not going to be here forever. The situations in our lives aren't going to be here forever. It's just, a, it, you know, we were studying about in Revelation um, chapter 13, and we were talking about Nero being revived. And uh, after Nero... Uh, passed, uh, there was a, a, a amazing civil war that happened. It was just a, a tough time, and no one thought Rome would survive, but Rome survived. Rome was thriving and did well, and and you know, it wasn't long before they forgot about all that, all that negative stuff and all the bad things. And that's kind of how life goes. It goes in waves, and there's good stuff, and there's bad stuff, and there's this, and there's that. But the only constant in our lives is what God. He's the only constant. Jesus is the only constant. In our lives. This world is not heaven. Remind ourselves of that continuously. This world is passing away. And there's something more blissful and beautiful for us. And God has promised it to us. Please look at Colossians chapter 3. Negative thoughts. Um, taking the negative thought out and putting the good thoughts in. Someone said uh, garbage in, garbage out. And that's true, right? Uh, try to keep the negativity, the negative thoughts out, and try to only put good in. And that takes effort. It takes effort. It takes uh, an amazing amount of effort and energy to really focus on only putting good stuff in and putting all the bad stuff out. That takes a lot of effort. Dedication. Commitment. How much of that commitment and dedication do I want to put into that? You know, if, if you are... Um, if you binge watch negative something on television, you're, you're going to become a negative person. But if you if you binge watch positive things, you'll become a positive person. The same thing about the Word of God. If you spend lots and lots of time studying God's Word, thinking about God's Word, uh, trying to 
if you were to, um, if you were out during the day, or you are watching, a, I don't know, something, but there's something visual in front of you, think about what passage of Scripture might apply to that situation. You know, it's kind of a fun thing to do. You know, you're out there, and, and you see a mountain, and you think about a Scripture, you know, and you go, oh yeah, Psalm 50, you know. You go, oh yeah, that'll go for the mountain. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Or you see, you know, you look at the clouds, or you look at the stars, or you, wherever you're looking, think about something that a passage of Scripture would relate to that's really positive, and it's amazing how many passages of Scripture you'll be able to come up with if you know your Bible well enough to, with your everyday life, everyday walk of life. What Scripture comes to mind? Thinking about the positive continuously and constantly. So Colossians 3 and verse 1. If then you have been raised up with Christ, that's Christians, right? Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the on the things above and not on the things that are on the earth. And someone says, that's humanly impossible. Well, it's something to strive after, brethren, right? It's it's to find a way to always consider Jesus in everything, right? It's to find a way to always think about positive things in your life, right? What is Jesus, how would Jesus handle that? What would, some people have the bumper sticker, you know, WJD, what would Jesus do, right? And you go, well, what, well, what would Jesus do in this situation or this, you know, you, you're walking to the store, maybe you're shopping at, Walmart or Safeway or Fred Myers or wherever it may be and you're, as you're going through the store and you see different incidents or things, you think about the Word of God and say, wow, you know, look at all this meat. And you go, hey, you know what? Back in the old days in First Corinthians, you find that there were some folks who wouldn't shop in this market because this meat in, in those days would have been first sacrificed to an idol. And so then we come along, we buy meat that's already sacrificed to idols and I'm not doing that. Well, some believe that would be a wrong thing to do. While others who were more mature in their faith said, there's no such thing as an idol God anyway. So you can't sacrifice meat to an idol. So it's no problem with buying this meat all as well. So you can think about scriptures wherever you go. The word of God is impactful in every way. You just have to know it. So that means we have to sit down and spend time studying it. Having God in the forefront of our minds at every moment and all times of our lives, it takes practice. Right? A considerable amount of practice and time. But if we're not practicing it, then what else are we practicing? So again, it's I'm doing something that's good and positive, or I'm doing something that maybe isn't. Or maybe I'm doing nothing, nothing really at all. But it is better to focus and try to focus our minds on good positive things instead of focusing on the negative things. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, please. And... Look at verse uh, verse 8, Philippians 4, again, in verse 8. And we're going to begin to um, to dissect this just a bit. Uh, you might call it, say, we're going to do an exegesis of it. Verse 8, finally, brethren, there's a, there's a contextual understanding in this text. And, the, and what we need to get from this is, this is not talking to the world. Okay? This is really important. So Philippians 4 is not talking to the world. We have to be careful what we say to the world. We say, hey, you know what? Um, uh, and you start telling them, you know, make your request made known to God. And you start quoting that scripture to them. That's not a worldly scripture. Philippians 4, 
Well, you know, the Bible's written to Christians, right? Um, this is for us. So he identifies the audience. Okay? After all that's been said, this whole idea of rejoicing in the Lord and how to rejoice in the Lord, and it's simple, the only way you're going to get to that peace of under, peace that surpasses all understanding is you got to give it to Jesus. If you don't give it to Jesus, it's going to be really difficult to get to that peace that surpasses all understanding, right? Okay? And you go back and you dissect that and ask, well, what do I have to do? And what have I not done? And, and what does God expect of me? Well, we get down to the finally, the conclusion, the concluding thought. Brethren, written to us, whatever is. And I want to stop just right there. Whatever is. Before we get to true, we'll get there, I think, um, next week. But for right now, whatever is. Let's think about that for just, just, just a moment. Um, it's a profound statement. We're going to go to John chapter 1. It's designed to focus us on, everything is designed to focus our minds on Jesus. For Jesus is the fulfillment of, of truth, of purity, of, of virtue, of, of, of praise, everything you can imagine. Whatever is. So what is an absolute? God is an absolute, right? Truth, when we get there, is an absolute. It's objective. But whatever is, what do we know to be true? So John 1, uh, beginning at, at verse 1, we know this to be true. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him and through Him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. That is an absolute truth that the foundation of everything comes back to God who is eternal. No man can change that. Right? No, no man can change this is. And there's no way to alter it. And though man tries to challenge it, they lose Every single time, and you have to decide whether God is an absolute, right? You have to decide based on the evidence that God has given to us, based on, based on just the, the sun. Did you put the sun there? No. Has any, has any man done it? No. It didn't just show up. Common sense refutes that idea. So, whatever is, you know what's true. Brethren, hold on to God. God is the only absolute truth. He's always Unshifting and unchanging. Colossians, please, chapter 1. So we don't run out of time. I want to at least look at this one. Whatever is, whatever is, can you focus and fixate your mind on whatever you know that absolutely is without a shadow of a doubt? God. Yeah, I can. Right? Verse 13. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. He is 
before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach, if indeed you continue in the faith Firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which is proclaimed in all creation under heaven and which I, Paul, was made a minister. Whatever is. Brethren, you can take that wherever you go in your life and know that whatever is going on in your situation, God is and God is always with you. And what a joy that God has given to brethren. Whatever is. I want you to think this week on whatever, you know, Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. I want you to think about what is. Whatever is. What has God absolutely, positively done in your life that you know, unequivocally, God has done this for me. And I want you to think about those things. And I want you to rejoice in those things. And I want you to glory in God in those things and praise God's name this week and say thank you, God, for being so good to me, your child. God bless each and every one of you. We look forward to seeing you again here, Lord willing, next week. Uh, if you would like to contact us for whatever reason, uh, if we can do anything for you, we ask you'll make that known to us. Um, in a moment, we'll have uh, our information uh, on the, the slide so you can look at it and uh if you need the phone number or the email, web address, etc., uh, please feel free to contact us and we will do all that we can to get back with you and to help and assist you in any way that we possibly can uh, by and through the help of Jesus Christ our Lord. God bless you and thank you for your time.